Good morning again. Hello. Um, for those of you who couldn't make it last week, uh, we have started a new sermon series, and uh, we're looking at seven Ps from Matthew 10 and Luke 10. And those seven Ps, the hope is that we are going to use them to unpack a little bit about what mission is and uh, look at some key principles and practices. Uh, Last week I spoke on prayer and um, the spiritual battle that we face. Um, And if you missed it, you can listen to it on the website uh, under media. But this week I'm going to be speaking about people of peace. Um, And I'm going to be looking at the passage we just read in Luke 10. So I'm going to be sticking quite closely to the passage that we just read. When you think about it... um, 72 people is a lot of people for Jesus to send out on mission. If you want to get a feel for how many people 72 is, just take a look around you. I think we are maybe slightly more than 72, but not far off. Um, And um, so I was just struck by actually the fact that there's about 72 people in this room. And this is Jesus sending 72 people out on mission So maybe um, this passage would be a good place to start when we're looking about how how do we start doing mission. And I really think that Jesus um, lays out a pattern um, for these 72 that we can still follow today when it comes to trying to, to start out on mission. So let's jump straight into the passage and see what it's saying. I think got a PowerPoint, yes. Um, Verse one, I think it's easy to miss the first verse, but um, the first thing I want to say is that Jesus sent them out. Jesus didn't think, oh, I've got these 72 people I could put on this amazing concert and get everyone to come, or, you know, I've got these 72 people, you know, let's, let's put them all together and get people to come to them. He sent the 72 out into the world. He sent them out into towns and homes and places where just people are. And as simple as that sounds, it is also profound. um, Because traditionally, the Church of England hasn't employed that strategy. We've put services on and we've expected people to come to us. Um, But Jesus sends the 72 out to where people are, where they live and they work. But notice he doesn't send them out on their own. He doesn't send them out all together, but he does send them out in twos. Jesus provides co-workers for us. He provides family for us to go into the world with. And um, they're your friends, your spouse, your home group. They're the people who are in this church here today. His intention is not that we go out into the world alone. Um, And notice that he is planning to go there afterwards. After the 72 have prepared the way, Jesus is planning to go there too. Verse 3 says um, that Jesus is sending us out like like lambs among wolves. And I think it's really important that we don't try and do this on our own. We need one another. Um, I think sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking that we don't need church. But actually, if we try and go it alone, if we try and you know, face this world uh, without our brothers and sisters, then we can really struggle to keep going. But notice the things that Jesus says we don't need. He said he sent them out without a purse, without bag, or without sandals. He sent them out with nothing, really. And I think 
Um, that's because Jesus wanted to send them out as they are. He, sent, he sends us out to be ourselves. He doesn't send someone better. He doesn't send someone with more knowledge or more arguments. Jesus sends us, and by his grace, we are enough. God doesn't want us to rely on ourselves. And we're, um, we're a pretty competent group of people here at St. James. Um, and that can be a bit dangerous because we start to rely on our own abilities rather than on God. And it's just important to just keep um, relying on him. I kind of think Jesus has all the resources of heaven available to him. And he sends these 72 people out with nothing. But it's not recklessness. It's his amazing grace that he does that. He sends them into, into danger in the, be- the best as best, better equipped than if he went, they went with theology degrees or a sack load of Bibles. He sent them out into danger relying on God and having no choice but to trust in him. Another thing that the passage uh, points out is that the 72 needed to have their priorities right. They weren't to stop and greet people on the road. They weren't to get distracted from the urgency of the task that Jesus had set them. And I think the enemy's tactic is often to distract us um, from what's important. And the things that he distracts us with are often good things. Greeting people on the road seems quite a friendly and nice thing to do. Seems like the right thing to do. But actually, Jesus had set up divine appointments for the 72 that he didn't want them to to miss. He didn't want them to get distracted from. And then we get to verse 5. And if you were wondering what a person of peace was, uh, then verse 5 explains it to us. The 72 were looking for people who responded to the peace of God that they carried. They were to go to people's house and say, peace be on this house. And if the peace of God rested on those people, to stay there. They were looking for the people who were open to the presence of God that they carried. And this seems to be a strategy that Jesus employs throughout his ministry. He's always looking for those people who are open to God, or to call them by another name, people of peace. He doesn't force his message on anyone. If someone's not interested, then he moves on to the next place. He looks for the people who want to know. And just throughout the gospel, there's stories, there's countless stories of this. There's Zacharias who climbed the tree, there's the woman at the well, there's the bleeding woman grabbing hold of... um, Jesus' garment, the list goes on. And often these people were those that went away from Jesus and and shared the good news with whole communities, spreading the gospel to a lot more people. Uh, Paul has the same experience in Acts 16, 13 to 15. Um, It's amazing how you see these patterns throughout the Bible. With Lydia... um, Paul went to a new city and he went to the place where, where um, you'd think that you would find people who are open to God. And uh, he shared the message. And that one of these people that were listening was Lydia. And the Lord opened her heart and she responded to Paul's message. And then her members, the members of her household were baptised. And the things that I... Th- the, the, I love the last little um, sentence in this verse... She said to Paul, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. 
And it's almost like Lydia is persuading Paul to share the gospel with her. And it's those, those are the people we're to look out for in our lives, those people who want to know more about God. I think that there's a common misconception that mission is Bible bashing, that mission is doing something to people that they don't want to be done to them. Um, but I think I want to say here at St. James, that's not our idea of mission. That's not what we're talking about. Um, we want to be finding the people who want to hear about God, those people that God has prepared, those people who are open to our message. And they are out there. Verse 2 of our passage, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful. Do we really believe this? Do we believe that there are people out there in our lives who want to know more about God? And the way to find out who those people are are to look for those people of peace, the people who welcome us, who like to be with us, and who attempt to serve us, just like the households of peace did to the 72. The 72 weren't to go and argue, they were to go and look for the people that they got on with, the people that they clicked with, the people who wanted to hear what they had to say. I wonder if we can think of any people of peace in our lives. Verse 7 says that Jesus asks the 72 to stay with these people, to receive from them and not to move around. Jesus asks us to be present to those people of peace in our lives, to have time for them, to prepare them to hear the gospel, to pay attention to them. Not to be so busy rushing around our daily lives that we miss those opportunities to be, to be present with the people who are open to us and open to God. And there's something that's a part of this teaching that's really helped me is to know that there's two different types of people of peace. There's passing and there's permanent. So passing people of peace might be the kind of people you meet in a supermarket queue or on a train or once it happened to me on an aeroplane. I was just sat next to this woman who was just begging me to tell her about Jesus, really. Um, it doesn't happen very often. But passing people of peace are people that you'll only see maybe once or twice. And with these people, there's a window of opportunity to share the gospel, that we need to be courageous in sharing our faith. And we might never hear what happens to them. And then there's permanent people of peace who you see regularly, like friends, family, work, colleagues. And where passing people of peace are like a sprint, the permanent people of peace in our lives we have to approach like a marathon. We need to be patient and loving and persevering and, God, and trust that God will open up opportunities to share our faith at appropriate times, but discerning those times and not just rushing in. I think in both of these cases, it's, we're on a journey of discovering, of developing spiritual sensitivity to seeing how open people are to hearing about God. And we can listen to the Holy Spirit and what he has to say. We're doing this with him. We're not doing it on our own. No matter how much we love someone, God loves them even more. And God knows what's going on in their hearts in a way that we never do. So we can ask God, we can work with God. We can ask him for pictures for the people in our lives. We can ask the Holy Spirit, what is the next thing that this person needs to hear to go on a journey with you? 
Jesus didn't act on his own. He did what he saw his father doing. And that's what God's asking us to do, to partner with his Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of people around us. Verse 9 says that the 72 are to heal the sick and proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. Proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near is just saying that God is close to you. His love and his hope uh, is uh, close to your lives. God is within touching distance of you. He's not far off. And one really simple thing we can do for people in our lives is to pray for them, to offer to pray for them. There and then if you feel bold enough or at home later. But we are to heal the sick and to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. In verse 10, Jesus says that there's a chance that the 72 won't be welcomed. There's a chance that we'll meet people who don't want to know about Jesus. And uh, I think we're all aware of that. In God's goodness, he gave us free will. He doesn't force us to follow him. We have a choice. And it's the same for those people around us. Doing mission is not about forcing people to choose to follow God. It's about giving them the choice. It's about telling them about the goodness and love of God and offering them the choice to walk with him. Romans 10.14 says, How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Our job is to tell people about Jesus and it's their job how they respond. I think sometimes it can feel like um, personal rejection when we kind of go out on a limb and, and make ourselves vulnerable and share something of our faith and someone doesn't want to know. But Jesus says in verse 16, whoever rejects you, rejects me. And I think that's, I mean, I like verse 11. I think that's why he says we are to to shake the dust off our feet uh, when we experience rejection. Because it's about not taking it personally. It's not letting that rejection stick to us and stop us doing it, trying again the next time. But actually, you know, saying, actually, I've done my bit. My responsibility was to try and share God and uh, and um, it's up to someone doesn't have to accept that, and so um, yeah, I like that kind of wiping the dust off our feet. But despite Jesus seemingly preparing the seventy-two for the worst, verse seventeen says that they return with joy and say that even the de- demons submit to us in your name. Now, as I talked about last week, when we step out in mission, we're engaging in a spiritual battle. But by the blood of Christ, we're on the winning side. The 72 returned with joy. And if they're anything like me, they might have gone out in fear and trembling and uncertainty. But they returned with joy. They found that people wanted to hear their message and they responded. It might sound a little crazy, but there's few things in my life that I find give me more joy than sharing God, than sharing the gospel. Um, Mission can be fun. Uh, Not beforehand, I'm always terrified at the thought of sharing my faith. But afterwards, it's really life-giving to share God's love with other people. There's something about sharing God's, God's message that brings us alive spiritually. Jesus has given us authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. The 72 went out with nothing, like lambs among wolves, but they stood in God's power and Satan could not prevail against them. 
But however amazing God did, of what God did amongst the 72, or even here among us now in mission, the thing that we can most rejoice about are that our names are written in heaven. That we have an eternal reality that far outweighs our earthly one. And that we're going to see God's kingdom come in all its fullness, when every knee will bow, when all suffering will cease, and when Jesus will come back again. That's the whole point of why God sends those 72 out, so that more people can know that their names are written in heaven, so that more people can experience what we have, the freedom of being set free from the power of darkness to worship God and to know his goodness.